This is the one with a reverse Eliza Doolittle. With an LNGI. Snappy snowflakes. Ice, ice lady. And winter is coming. It's called The Snowman. Here we go. Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel's hour. Dalek, Cyber, Zood, and Wow! Counting Sonic's rating apps. From the poor to the sublime. Echoes and Whitaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join, Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? Hello, ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land, and welcome to a Christmas episode of Doctor Who <laughs> in May. Um, <laughs> feeling very festive with me today is on my... Wait, do I have to introduce myself first? Who are you? I'm, well, my name is Marie. <laughs> uh, the chap to my right... Hello, I'm Leon. Is Leon. Hello, Marie. The chap directly in front of me is... Drew back when? Good branding. <laughs> chap number three at your service. Yes. Hello, chap number three. <laughs> also, can I clarify, this isn't an episode of Doctor Who, this is an episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Oh, I do apologise. <laughs> Thank you, Drew. Sorry. <laughs> yes. And hello, podcast land. <laughs> a podcast or a what? Marie, it's Christmas. Sorry. Uh, okay. No, no. Oh, cut, you cut it, cut it. <laughs> So the episode we are reviewing today is called The Snowman. You Correct. might have heard. It, episode N094. 94. 94. We're not going to be able to stop ourselves saying N0 for, until about N150. <laughs> uh, this is 94. Matt Smith's, I looked this up the other day, Matt Smith's last one, 104. <gasps> <gasps> oh my so gosh. We, so after, after tonight... Ten more episodes. Ten more episodes. Done. I think maybe one of them is a double feature, but still. Oh my god, I think I'm going to cry. Yeah, well, no, well. the end of Matt Smith. You're going to be crying for quite a long time if you start now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. No, we've still got plenty of uh, Matt Smith to come. And what else have we got? Bit of Clara. Oh, yeah. Oh. Shall we tell the lovely folks at home what's uh, going on? How should we do that? Should we? Maybe we should jump into a bee scow. Oh, marvellous. Let's. <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview, this free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. Behatted urchin Walter Simeon is like so above his fellow Victorian ragamuffin snow-based shenanigans and wishes only for isolation and an end to children's silliness. Luckily for him, his friendly neighbourhood snowman shares precisely these opinions, and in the short matter of half a century, they make a successful business out of disposing of London's expendable labouring classes. Stumbling through Victorian London, retired Time Lord the Doctor happens upon a witty tavern wench, honest-to-God commoner and SAS-level stalker Clara, who insinuates herself in the Doctor's dealings with the Paternoster Gang, comprising Madame Vastra, Jenny Flint, and Strax P. Potato. Clara's curiosity will not be quelled until she solves the mystery of the murderous snowman, brings the Doctor out of retirement, and kills off all the competition for her secret position as practically perfect governess at Captain Latimer's mansion in the suburbs, before Walter Simeon can get his ICGI-branded grip on planet London. Be over, you are welcome. Aren't you just... So I just learned that it was Ian McKellen who was the voice of the great intelligence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Ian McKellen. I love that it's Ian McKellen. We have Gandalf. We have 
with nail. Mm. Wait, wait, hang on. Shall we mention, for context, <laughs> we have sat down to record this episode quite late in the evening. And the reason for that is that before doing so, we sat down together to watch with nail and I. One of us for the first time ever. Yes, congratulations what? on popping your with nail cherry, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Marie and I watched it for the 748th time, <laughs> and it was just as good as the first. Absolutely. <laughs> I actually think it gets better every time. Did you like it, Drew? I did. I can't wait for it to get better every time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there was, it was also full of McGann. I know. It's, mm, it's, yeah, it's The Great Intelligence meets The Eighth Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging out at Harry Potter's uncle's lodge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then the great intelligence walks off into the rainstorm to drink himself into oblivion, quoting Hamlet. Yeah, the spoilers for Withner and I. Yeah. So. <laughs> Everybody's seen it by now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Says the guy who saw it ages ago. So, <laughs> oh, I, I, I have a question, but I'll ask it maybe halfway through this review. Sure. Mm. <laughs> okay, so to business. This was The Snowman, written by Stephen Moffat, broadcast on the 25th of December 2012. Yes. After this episode, we're done with 2012! That's right. I mean, six years behind. (laughs) So, this was set in Christmas 1892. Are all the Christmas episodes in the past? That's a very good question. No. No. No, not at all. Go on, then. Not at all, dude. The flying fish and the lady in the tank. Exactly what I was thinking of. Mm. Oh, Voyage of the Damned. No. No, but that's also a future one. Also set in the future, you're right. Wait, hang on. Is that also set in the future? No, it's not. That's not set in the future. That's set in the present day. Future Space Titanic. Titanic. Yeah, that's set in in the relative present of whenever that aired, because then they even meet Cribbins on Earth and everything. It's mm. just an advanced alien race that runs the Titanic too. Oh yeah, and you got the Runaway Bride in the present as well. Yeah. Also, and I think and one of the rose ones with the spinning Christmas, Christmas trees. Invasion. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Maybe I should have better <laughs> phrased my question as: Do you ever get a? Is Christmas this the only episode? one that's said in the past? <laughs> no, because we also had the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe, which was in the forties. Yeah. Oh yes, yes, you're right. Yeah. My question would have been better phrased as, are there none set in the future? But Voyage of the Damned is sci-fi enough. It's sci-fi, set but Set in present. the present day. However, the fish one is set in the future, With, right? What's she called? Catherine Opera Singer. I mean, with a name like that, obviously, <laughs> she hadn't... What was she going to become? Like a carpenter? <laughs> oh, those flying fish. Yeah. Yes. Okay. What's yes, it Christmas will survive. Marvellous, I'm pleased. <laughs> a Christmas Carol is that one. Uh, thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, but it's because. But even that is based on an old Victorian novel. I think people get very nostalgic at Christmas, and we want to. You don't want to be pushed too hard. You don't want to think too hard. You just want to let things wash over you and enjoy them. Yeah, well, I guess that's why I was asking the question really because. To be Christmassy, do you have to hark back to an imagined Christmas past yeah. in some way? Which, yeah, even the sci-fi futurey one is harking back always. Even like the yeah. Titanic one is harking obviously back to the Titanic. And, oh, um, yeah, yeah. Or they're all Earth's past. Yeah, perhaps the only one that doesn't fit that bill is Last Christmas with Capaldi and Nick Frost. Oh yes. And Clara, I think. <sighs> yes, You're not remembering Clara. Marie. It's got Clara in it. No, because, uh, yeah, well, I don't I know. I love that episode, I by got, the way. I forgot entirely that episode, and I remembered Clara in a Christmas episode and Santa Claus on a roof, and a little part of me, when they all ended up on the roof, and Doc's like, well, guess what my plan is? I really expected Nick Frost to land on the roof <laughs> and come and rescue them all. <laughs> I definitely, like, merged the two together. But, yeah. 
I don't remember the Nick Frost film very well. I'm looking forward to rewatching it. Oh, it's so good. Mm. It's really, really good. Okay, so we've just proved I am incapable of starting off an episode with a question. Does anyone else have better questions? Okay, I'll ask that question. This is a sad one, though. Oh, no. And particularly, I mean, I, I thought of this because we were talking about Gandalf at the time, or Ian McKellen. Sir Ian McKellen. Sir Ian. Never and we've end. just seen Withan and I. Do you not also feel like this was maybe a little bit of a waste of two incredibly talented and so well-known and established actors. That's exactly what, when I found out that it was Ian McKellen. The first thing I wanted to say was like, does this mean he can't come back? I think he can come back. We've had Mark Gatiss in so many episodes. Oh my goodness. Like he's a voiceover in one thing. We can definitely have him. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and also we had um, Pointless Guy. Richard Osman. No, not no. Richard Osman, but fuck's sake, Alexander Armstrong. <laughs> He was a voice of something and then he was in it again. So, he, like, you know, I feel like Ian McKellen can come back if he wants to. He can, I'm sure we he, would love to have him. I'm sure he can. Maybe he even does make a little voice cameo. I mean, Richard E. Grant certainly returns in this role, right? Yeah, because the great intelligence can now continue existing outside of a physical form. So He's going to show up on... Uh, Oh, crap, what's the planet called? Trenzalore. Thank you. He shows up with his henchmen. Wow. And is, I think, possibly also equally as wasted there. But that, but yeah, I, as soon as we started talking about with Neil and I, and you said you had a question, I knew, I knew this was going to be the question, and it made me really sad. And it is, <laughs> you watch him as like a young actor, and he's so captivating, and everything he does is incredible, and you just can't take your eyes off him. And then you watch him now as no. well. I mean, he's he's fantastic. Yeah. We saw him recently in Can You Ever Forgive Me? Yes, exactly. Yes, we did. Or was it Will You Ever Forgive Me? Can One You Ever Forgive Me, I think. Yeah. Oh, regardless, whatever. Yeah, and he was... Oscar-nominated I mean, role. Ex- I was, yeah, I was about to say. Mm. I, mean, I'm, I mean, he's basically with Nell in that film. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he should have got the Oscar for with now. Yeah, he should have. He should have. But, I mean, he he's fantastic. He is a great actor. He is a great actor. He's but portraying a character the Because he's teetotal. He's a lifelong teetotaler. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What? I can't remember if maybe they made him drink for one of the scenes in Withnell. Oh, really? Yeah, just to like get a really authentic, like his very first. I can't remember. Maybe I'm talking out of my ear. I can't remember. It's been a while. But here he is portraying a character who is trying to be as dead or zombie-like, machine-like as Mm. possible. So he doesn't get to explore his range. It does right towards the end. You have jumped very deep into this episode yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> when doc changes the voice on the great intelligence and he realizes it's him as a child and he has that little breakdown that's quite a powerful moment and he almost looks like he's like about to cry and the i think the, all the camera angles change and, it, and he suddenly yeah. looks like a little like a little boy again yeah he's leaning backwards instead of leaning forwards in a sort of aquiline animal about don't, to attack way don't make it like he just leans backwards it's, it's good don't yeah, tell the, me it's not the good look on his face his i mean his eyeballs are trembling they are <laughs> how do you make your eyeballs tremble <laughs> i merely described the most obvious feature of that multifaceted performance i i would have gone on to wax lyrical about many others <laughs> his but his eyes are phenomenally big and they look like they're about to pop out of his head and i was his genuinely beautiful a bit, blue eyes be- oh. beautiful watery blue eyes <laughs> i was worried clara would have to jump forward and catch them because gross <laughs> so gross had to leap off her deathbed <laughs> <laughs> run across town and catch the villain's eyeballs yes. falling out of his head. Yes. Makes sense. Okay. Retro rewrite. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I have a question uh-huh. about, well, the B-Scow, to be honest, when we were writing the B-Scow. Yeah. 
it kind of went, oh, yeah. So we've made a successful business, have we, out of um, disposing of London's expendable labouring classes. What? How? What is he? How is he making money? How is he, like, supporting himself? He just has a big ball of snow. I don't understand. In the- well, in the beginning, he's had a, a bunch of people doing some kind of work for him. I can't remember. And what then it he is kills he them all off. Yeah, he, like he feeds them to his killer snowman. But what? But, ha- but no one. By, by the way, the <laughs> shit is going on with Scotland Yard. How is no one noticing the hordes of labourers are going missing? Do you know what? I just thought of a, something that really throws this episode into some doubt. Okay. The doctor at some point says that the lady in the pond, Ice Ice Lady, yeah. as Miriam dubbed her, yes, well done, Miriam. Well done. Great work. Was the ultimate fusion of snow and humanity. Oh. What about all the humanity the snow has been eating for about half a century up to this point? They had plenty of human <laughs> DNA run, running around their insides. Yeah, true. Yeah, that is true. Wait, that is super duper true. <laughs> and also, it feels like they've just waited for this happy accident. Like, if we if we sit around long enough, someone will fall into a pond and get frozen. Like, I feel like they're creepy villainous enough that they could have orchestrated this. They could have just put a person into a like a I, I mean, bucket this, and this is Victorian <laughs> London. A million people drowned in the Thames. I'm sure. No, yes, absolutely. So, <laughs> uh, but 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 Ian McKellen was wrong. To assume that there'd be more ice fairs, because we've been to the ice fair at least twice in Doctor Who, the oh, last great ice fair on the Thames, 1812. Ian McKellen thinking, oh, there'll be a succession of these. No, there haven't been any more. So he's just, he's been frustrated and thwarted. He's like, oh, if only someone would fall somewhere, somehow. <laughs> All right, I've got, I've got some fundamental questions about this whole falling into a, into a pond business. Mm. That is entirely unrelated to the great intelligence, right? That is entirely unrelated. Yeah, it's just an it's just an accident. So someone falls into water, mm. is frozen in the water, but the water is just water. What has turned this poor lady who drowned into an ice zombie? Well, it must be coincidence in that. Well, maybe there coincidence. Have, well, no, there must have been some snow as has intermittently happened for a while. I think fallen on the ice while the lady's under it and then dr simeon happens to find out no wait if it's not a coincidence if is it the coincidence that the snow falls on it or that simeon finds out and brings some snow and plants it on there what does, is it yeah because okay so simeon is con- not not controlling the snow but like it's Ooh, that's like, the whole great gives intel- it consciousness so it's reflected in him so anything that he doesn't know the snow can't know so Ooh. What? So he would have had to have found out about Ice Lady somehow. Well, he, yeah, in the he, newspaper. Yeah, exactly. He uh, reads about her, shows up at Lassiter's doorstep and goes, hi, can I have that body, please? They didn't know she was there for mo- until months later, so presumably they'd only find her when the snow thawed. Yeah. Well, there's... The, the ice, the pond thawed. But, but yeah, but the pond hasn't thawed, and that's the strange thing. So everything thawed, but this pond, it remained frozen. No, but this is like a year later. She's not in there anymore. Yeah, she is. We no. can see her move underneath the ice, don't we? Her, her body is gone, but the, the ice in that month prior has somehow inhaled her DNA. Oh, I see. Okay, it's, it's, it's fine, creating but, an ice person. Fine, but then yeah. we're returning to the point where this is just regular ice. Yeah. So what made this ice sentient? How did, like, is, is there another explanation here whereby her soul or something to that effect was transferred into just regular water like like yeah water 
water has Because everyone who drowns doesn't turn it like you can't drink water. This so, is a country made of rain. You can't. You have to stay away from the rain. Is the sn- the snow is alien? Each yeah. individual snowflake is an alien, like a yeah. We see like them snapping and an entity. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> Don't you just hate that? Well, we're, we're flying through the sky, and then one goes arr, arr, and we yeah. go through its mouth. Oh my god, yes. That's like the first thing that happened, and I just oh, I was ready to hate this episode. <sighs> it's so gross. Yeah, it's oh, really you don't terrible. hate it because of its terrifying. Nurse, <laughs> no, it, it because it's, it's flat out awful. No, it's <laughs> dreadful for the same reason that you you want to close your mouth and nose when you're like walking through a, a mosquito ridden patch of air because you don't want to <laughs> accidentally inhale something that's alive and that's going to be all gross and slowly dying inside of you. So this snow is falling from space at Ugh. intervals, and it must land on this pond. And th- so there are two coincidences, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> First, the snow has to fall, and then Richard E. Grant has to come along and find the body that the snow has now sort of taken the good bits out of, and it all falls together. Okay. Mm. Ish. Okay. Yeah. But then that also kind of goes against another theory that I have, which was that there's some sort of shared consciousness between all the snow and ice that he is in control of. Yeah, the low-level telepathic field. Yeah. Yeah, but if the same alien snow also fell on the pond, then he wouldn't need to get a hold of that ice because he's already in touch with it. And he wouldn't need that newspaper, which conveniently falls open and leads the doctor to the scene of the crime. Right. <laughs> He's just documenting things. He already knew. He didn't need the newspaper. He just likes to collect scrapbooks. Yeah. Little yeah, mementos of where he's been. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how files work either. What, you mean they just fall open? fall open on the frequency Don't they just fall open on the middle page where the binding is? Yeah, if the spine's cracked, definitely. Mm. This is the origin story of the great intelligence then, is it? Oh, yes, of course. The Great Intelligence has appeared in Classic Who, right? Yeah. I I mean, uh, we've at least encountered the Great Intelligence twice, which is another thing that really bothered me about this, because the Doctor should surely remember that. Is it the same branding with, like, the GI? No. Mm. Uh, That threw him. When did he get introduced to it as the Great Intelligence? Well, at the end of this episode, he goes, Great Intelligence, that kind of weirdly rings a bell. Like, oh, fuck you, Doctor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You fought this uh, intelligence at least twice that we are aware of on this podcast. Give the man a break. He's a thousand years old. I know, but the great intelligence is like a ma- major foe. So yeah. He wasn't well, the forgettable intelligence, was he? Look, <laughs> <laughs> uh, next time Daleks come on, it's like, I'm sure I've seen something like this before. <laughs> and another possibly missed opportunity. So the only two... Okay, I'm, I'm only aware of the Abominable Snowman, which is the first one, the like Robot Yeti episode, set in Tibet, I think. And then the second one is the Web of Fear, which is kind of referenced in this one with the, the London Underground map, because the Web of Fear oh. is the London Underground. Oh! And it, it's a fantastic serial. It's awesome. Yetis in tube tunnels. <laughs> uh, and the, he's stuck there. It's the first time that we meet bagels. and I mean, it's a really, really cool serial. Yeah. And it... So we've had the, the Great Intelligence twice, and on both occasions we've had Yetis. And this time we get the Great Intelligence, but no Yetis. And mm. Build some robot Yetis, man. Like, that's what he does. <laughs> yeah, and then you won't need these quite occasionally badly CGI'd ice ladies. Mm. 
There's a, there's one. Episode. Oh, you thought it was bad. I thought it was really well done. There's one scene where her dialogue is not matching up with the animation at all. Mm. Like when she first appears in the house, I think. Okay, but it's still made for. I, I think for a while now, I've been super impressed by the special effects on Doctor Who. Mm. There was a there was a while when I was like, oh, oh wow, that is Sci-Fi Channel level, <laughs> <laughs> like in the '90s Sci-Fi Channel uh, special effects. But I thought it was really good in this one. Yeah, there was there was one moment where the. Uh, the snowmen turned to each other and grinned evilly. I thought that was really well done. <laughs> that, that was a really good visual. Like, their movement was really fluid, and they really were very shark-like. Do you think Clara was maybe a little bit too blasé about the snowman? I mean, the snowman pops up out of nowhere, Doc walks past, and she just goes, did you just build that snowman? No, Clara. <laughs> that snowman literally popped up out of nowhere. But, although... <laughs> wait, I feel like if you were walking down the street and then suddenly you notice a snowman, you wouldn't think, oh, that just appeared. Wouldn't you think, oh, like, how did I miss that the first time? Like, you yeah, always yeah. try and think of a rational explanation for something rather than assuming it's an alien. Okay, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, like, were you standing in front of that, even? Yeah. Or, yeah, where did that come from? What or, was that I there how did I? D- how did I miss that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you know what? I'll take it back. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. well done. Good. Well done you taught me off the ledge, guys. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, just so you know, I intend to. Whenever all questions of uh, Clara come up, <laughs> yeah, um, she. I'm, uh, I got your back, girl. <laughs> <laughs> she never acts without the utmost propriety. Obviously. Although, oh, she does give the doctor a great big snog. Yes. Check yes. that box. <laughs> Marie, what did you think about that? Well, do you know what I did think about that is good. Okay, we've got it out the way. Ah, like it all—it always happens. Inevitably, he will snog his companion, and we will go, "Oh no, why is he doing that?" <laughs> and really hate it. Whereas it's—it's it's happened so quickly and so abruptly and out of nowhere. It's just like, oh, okay, they haven't had time to build up like the reverence and the rapport and da 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 da. It's not Amy snogging him and, and it's like a creepy thing that she's loved him since she was a kid. Yeah, and for it, once it's not happening on the night before her wedding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> it's, it's a woman in Victorian London who sees a really handsome guy and she's like, go on, we're, we're all about to die. Let's just have a quick snog, why don't we? Um, and so there's no real meaning behind it. It's just a, quite a flippant thing. And I feel like now it's kind of out of the way. We don't have to worry about it attacking you later. I quite like how Ford she is yeah, later on as well. Too. It's like, oh, eyes front soldier. And it's like, oh, well, I'm going to have a peek then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I quite yeah, like that. I do. Uh, do you not worry, though, that now she's done it once, she's going to want to do it some more? I mean, it's a different Clara, though, isn't it? There is yeah, a little bit. I mean, this yeah. is... Would, would, they, would they get away with it on TV now? Or would they struggle to be politically correct enough? Like, could she be seen to objectify the Doctor? Yeah, I don't see why not. Yes, society has not progressed all that much. No, I know that society hasn't progressed. (laughs) But, oh, I don't know. I think they're more likely to do it that way around, where she's objectifying him, rather than, I think we've, it's getting so you can't really do it that men are objectifying women because people are up in arms about that. But to do it the other way around still is a bit like we're addressing the balance a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Also, I didn't take into account that we have a female doctor and that maybe that dynamic well, would change yeah, as well. But, exactly. but in, in, in general, I, I was really in favor of it in this one. Mm. I thought she was like, they have really good chemistry and there's yeah. like almost instant not necessarily romantic, but certainly sexual chemistry oh, between yeah, them. Yeah. And it works in a way that it never worked with Amy Pond. Yeah. I did just have a little 
as it was happening though, I had a little flashback to like, oh no, what what about River? <laughs> I'm still not over River. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, I did yeah. have a moment as well where I was thinking like, well, where does this happen in the timeline? Exactly, line? where's the timeline? Where it, like, yeah. There must be, like, from River's point of view, do you think that there's a moment where she goes, oh, yeah, and then there was that patch of a few years when my husband didn't know why we were married yet and he was married he was like <laughs> dating he was someone else other women. Yeah. Yeah. but I can't hold it against him because you know yeah. that must be hard yeah, it must be super hard before he met me he was David Tennant and he pounded about half the universe <laughs> into submission okay but so that's out of the way now go on Marie take it from here oh what now what Just, do you think about clara well i do obviously adore clara and everything that she says and does so um <laughs> so, <laughs> so she's your favorite her. is she oh my god absolutely absolutely my favorite every and like when we were going back and what and watching other things you know that river has my heart and i do adore river but as but i don't know if she ever really is counted as a companion um because she doesn't really travel with him, she just appears. But anyway, but yeah, she explicitly says, "Ah, Doctor, why would I travel with you? Exactly. Let's get a proper companion in to do the companion's job." But literally, as soon as Clara comes on screen, I just, I get, I'm so happy. She's so fantastic, and I just love her. And she's, yeah, they do have, they have a really nice chemistry, like from the get go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. What did you think of Jenna Coleman's range? Could you believe her as a governess and as a tavern wench? Absolutely. <laughs> Couldn't you? I thought her accent worked. I thought her good. accent was brilliant, both of them, because yeah. I don't think either of them are. Yeah, no, neither. Definitely neither of them are a real accent. Yeah. Also, it's it's good in that she has to pretend like being a London wench, a Cockney sparrow is her default accent. So when yeah. she is nervous and terrified, she drops back into it. Yeah, yeah but yeah. she's actually putting on an accent. I know. Yeah, it's supposed to be a natural one. Oh, it's good. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, having having tried my hand at accent work uh, in the recent past, I know how difficult it is. <laughs> <laughs> so For someone I, from you the made North, it seem very easy. I absolutely though. applaud you. <laughs> Once we'd made up a new accent for me to. <laughs> Uh, this must yeah. be a, a dream role for an actor just to go like, oh, wow, wait, so I get to experiment with all these different identities and accents and yeah, everything. I mean, yeah. it, no, it's it, it's And it's really so impressive. nicely done. Like, I remember the first, well, watching this episode and as soon as she comes on screen, you're like, oh my God, that's her, that's Soufflé Girl. But he doesn't know it. And it takes him, there's like little, these little subtle kind of hints dropped in and you kind of see him well, they start picking off up the pieces. No, I know, and then it and it does like the souffle snowball. one is pretty in your face, isn't well, it? Wow! But I really it, like to he, make souffles. Also, I used I sometimes dream about being a Dalek. <laughs> but he but he picks up on that. He does a little double take. She wouldn't do that though. She'd say, "I really love to make souffles, but oh, for some reason I can't put pepper in it. I can't go near a pepper." <laughs> Can someone hand me a whisk, please, while I plunge this sink? <laughs> He does pick up on, as soon as she says souffle, he does a little double take and he's like, oh, but it's not enough. Like, she's not the only woman in the universe that makes souffles. Like, it could be a coincidence, but he's already sort of recognised her voice, which actually, that does, does that make sense? Because what accent has she got in the Dalek episode? I think it's one of those two. Oh, okay. Is it the, like, the London? When she talks to him, does she do governess or does she? Yeah, she does governess, doesn't she? But I think it's only a slightly no. posher version of what she's oh, so doing. It's, it's somewhere in between. But when she meet, when she first meets him, she's bar wench. Yeah. So she should be doing. But the... she isn't bar wench when she's in the TARDIS, for example. No. Okay, so can I ask what is what's her deal? I mean, 
what's with this reverse Eliza Doolittle thing? Like, wh- who is she? So, as I interpreted it, she said she had, like, family obligations. And then the guy at the bar was like, where do you go? You never tell us. Da, 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 da. Which sounded like a like a big brother or something that was like... That's her other job. Yeah, well, do you think she's... I feel like she was born as a bar wench and she's tried to, like, get above a station. So she's a very intelligent woman in a place where it was difficult to come from a like if you come from an uneducated background how would you rise above your station so So it's actually a real eliza doolittle yeah it's like a natural eliza doolittle as opposed to a reverse so she's yeah she's kind of blagged her way into this role because she's super smart and has put on these airs and graces and stuff because i don't think it was a regular job at the pub she it was like i've excuse me for a week while i go and help out family yeah okay so I have a problem with the suggestion of family yeah. because to skip ahead to Transalore, mm. I mean, if she's being parachuted back in Doc's timeline, then isn't, I mean, I don't think she's quantum leaping into like a child and growing up from there. I think she's just appearing just before he does, right? Yeah. And well, although she's had the job with Captain Latimer for a few months. But, yeah. oh. but what I'm saying is she wouldn't, she wouldn't have family meeting her there in that time space. But maybe she's just made that up entirely. The whole, like, oh, I've got family business, I think is just an alibi because she can't tell the tavern staff, the pub staff, that she's actually got this super posh job because then would she, she would be ousted from her current social station and she likewise has to give an alibi to Latimer and his family. Yeah, well, that's what I think. I think that the only way that those two things can coexist is if she is exactly sent back in the timeline to be in those two places that bring the plot together and that the family is just a smokescreen. I feel like this... Yeah, it's definitely a smokescreen, but it seems as though... I mean, she doesn't remember anything about future Clara's no. life, right? And it in the... the Not the flashback, the like sort of pseudo-flashback that we get of her when she jumps into the timeline or time stream is her quite consciously directing the doctor to safety. Like, oh no, pick that TARDIS, don't pick that yeah. one. I mean, she helps the doctor, knowingly helps the doctor. Here she's, when she's in the TARDIS, it's as though she's seen it for the first time. She is, this is like one iteration of her in the time stream that for some reason just lost its memory entirely. Well, this is what I'm, I'm really, really hoping. I can't quite remember, so I have to wait and see, but I'm really hoping there's a line in there about like sometimes she knows who she is and what she's doing and sometimes she doesn't that's a total retcon by the way it's not there is it no well i mean I, it may be but if it is that's a total retcon because as a dalek she didn't know who she was either no exactly so that the dalek could be an iteration where she didn't remember who she was yeah, yeah but both yeah. split off personalities let's say in the dalek and here have enough knowledge to both say run you clever boy remember me that's true. So she's not completely cast adrift. But it's not it's not knowledge as in she's not aware of it. It's just, it's like her dying word. It's something that's so deep inside she's not saying it consciously to yeah. it. Uh-huh. It's yeah, just yeah. a like it's a parallel it's situation, her, I get it. So her yeah. personality is there but her memory is not. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I don't know. Right. Now there's a retro rewrite I can get behind. Yeah. Bingo bongo. <laughs> but yeah, I don't I don't know how I felt about that line the run you put clever boy because when she said it in the dalek episode it made complete sense and then when she said it again as as she's dying it just kind of came out of nowhere and i just wish it had been written in a little more smoothly like if she'd called him a clever boy 
Or, and he, well, and, they, there was a bit of, you're clever, so clever, when they're up on the rooftop. Yeah. But that felt forced but, to And me. also, and, and he's not running anywhere. The, like, run, you clever boy, doesn't make sense. If he yeah. was... If he had to go and run to save someone, that would make sense. I don't know. It just it, it just links in with the Doctor's cringeworthy breaking the fourth wall, as Clara did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Where he says, watch me run. Yeah. Like, Can we go back to um, the Great Intelligence? Why, of course. Just for a second. So he is known as the Great Intelligence. He is branded. Is that a nickname he's given himself? It seems so. I mean, Great Intelligence... It, the company is the Great Intelligence something. Great Intelligence Incorporated. I can't remember. He, it, everything is branded GI. Mm. His name is Walter Simeon. There's no, like, WS anywhere. Hmm, yeah. What... <laughs> is he just a massive narcissist? Or is the Great Intelligence the identity of this alien being? I guess basically I want to rehash my question from before. Is this the origin story of the Great Intelligence? Is the great intelligence this alien being meets Walter Simeon? Because as as far as we're aware, the great intelligence all because I don't have this prior knowledge because I haven't seen the classic. That's just an alien intelligence so, that like steers robots around. Yeah, but as, as far as I read this episode, it's all coming from Simeon. So everything that he's shown from the snow is just what he's projected out, and it you know it gets bigger and bigger as you're. You project something and it's reiterated back to you, so you get that support. And then the next time you're bolder, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But the the snow itself is not giving him anything; it's not feeding him information. So the great intelligence—it's not like they landed and said, "Oh yeah, by the way, we're an alien species, and now our name is the Great Intelligence." Like I feel like Simeon must have named them. Yeah, I think so. I I have to say I got quite confused at the end where the Doctor gets rid of Simeon and that should be the end of the intelligence, but it's not. I don't really know why it isn't. And then Can it travel through time and is it then going to travel back in time and meet the Doctor later on? Well, maybe. I mean, that's a completely, that's a whole other new set of confusion. But then the, the intelligence survives and then it possesses Simeon, but then it doesn't need Simeon and it can survive without him. It's all mashed together. Yeah. Lots of slightly different concepts mirroring not mirroring oh goodness sake so in conclusion uh, okay yeah <laughs> sorry that was still bothering me a little bit well yeah it should because it's not very well resolved yeah i think yes i think this was intended as an origin story okay because yeah. it's hard to see how the intelligence was at all great in at the beginning of this episode i think i quite liked the very beginning with the kid and the snowman and it was very it was very obvious straight away that the snowman was just repeating not to me oh really <laughs> not to me <laughs> not to me either by the way really yeah because it was almost word for word what he'd said or i think sometimes he shortened things so it felt it felt really simplified but it was definitely like i don't need those children and then it didn't even say you don't need that it just said don't need the children like oh uh, see i think what happened with leon and i is that we were just entranced by the sonorousness of the voice and thinking oh listen to that timbre oh. not the actual words oh gandalf you old fool <laughs> but yeah i thought that i thought that was really nicely done because you can understand this poor isolated kid who feels like poor isolated kid well, those kids would be perfectly happy to chuck a snowball in his direction he's just so aloof no no 
nobody wanted to throw snowballs at him. They were leaving him out on purpose. And so the only friends that he had were the snowmen that he made. And then you imagine you make a friend for yourself because no one else will play with you. And so I did that on my road this winter. Did you? Yes. Because, <laughs> oh, Abby wouldn't play with you. That was, <laughs> well, that, no, was, no. that was before you had a dog. It, that, yeah, that's true. I wouldn't do it now. I'd make a snow dog. No, just none of the neighbours, <laughs> you know. But yeah, and then suddenly, imagine imagine Aww. you walked out in the morning f- to your like handmade buddy, and you say, "Hey, buddy," and he says back, "Hey, buddy." Like, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, if yeah. I said, "Will you be my buddy?" and he said, "Be my buddy," like, <laughs> oh yes, please. <laughs> But I think that was really nicely done then, because obviously it wasn't obvious. Yeah, not until the flashback did what they were like, doing. Oh, cool. Yeah, that was good. Did either one of you kind of want the kids to climb onto the snowman's back and then fly across the countryside? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go walking in the air, perhaps. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, guys, my glass is empty. Oh. Does anyone need a top-up of this sherry? 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 Sherry. <laughs> I'll have a top off with the sherry. Oh, hang oh, on. I'll wait. take the top if off. take the lid off. <laughs> oh, am, I, am I new to this? Goodness. Sherry Marie? Sherry. Sherry. <laughs> I'm going to have some sherry, Leon. Sherry? Sherry. <laughs> Who back when this week is brought to you by Leon or Jerez Sherry, Palo Cortado, <laughs> called Desda1835. Thank you very much. Shall we chin chin, old sponges? Oh, oh let's, let's do that. Chin. That is some very nice sherry. Mm, yes. These shall be my pleasure. Delightful. <laughs> Leon, you mentioned earlier something that annoyed you. I can't remember what it was now. But another thing that probably annoyed you. Oh. Um, I did a count of how many Doctor, Doctor Who. It's definitely overused in this it one. It was four. It was four. Oh, my goodness. I remember Jenna <sighs> Coleman saying it, it upside down, she says popping it first, through the camp roof. She pops out. She says it at least twice. The second one is quite nice, I think, because I wish the second one had been the first one and only one, because Doc says Clara Who, and she immediately throws back to him Doctor Who. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And that was quite snappy and short and not too, like, in your face. It was organic. Yeah, exactly. And then, oh, I can't remember what the third one was. I didn't, I hadn't started my count by then. Um, and then by the fourth one, I was like, okay. But I think the fourth one is, is actually when he's doing the um, Punch and Judy bit and he says it. Oh, yeah. Oh, Doctor yeah. Who. Yeah. Like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> <sighs> it's okay once yeah. in a while. Yeah. 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 It, this is definitely overdone. Yeah. But yeah, the the first one, the whole, um, it was the build up to it and Bastra's going, there's always two words that started. Oh, come on. Yeah. Oh, is there? This is the, I mean, we've talked about this before. Stop giving significance yeah. to the title yeah. of this show. Because the ones where it's just literally just thrown in and like blinking, you'll miss it. I really like them. They're quite cute. But it's four times per episode is too many times. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agreed. There's a sort of related thing to that is that Digby at one point says that Franny needs a doctor. I think Franny's gone mad, don't you? I think she needs a doctor. And in the last audio that we just reviewed, it said that um, Lucy oh, needs yes. a doctor. You're right. And 
the doctor says she's already got a doctor or something like that. So that with is the a, most oh, I made a note of the soundbite and I never used it. it, it, it with throw the it most, in here. It, it, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Let the new channel hear some McGanning. What about doctors? She's got a doctor. It has the most amazing musical oomph in the background when he says it. It's incredible. Yeah. It's so theatrical. Yeah. So that's another thing. Don't beat us over the head with it. Yeah. <laughs> Diminishing returns. Speaking of moth. Yes. So this was 2012. This is almost peak moth at the BBC because I don't know if anyone noticed, but he has a different show that is also quite established, which he references about a bajillion times in this one. <laughs> oh, I didn't know what it is. What's the title? <laughs> Poirot. So, <laughs> so we have uh, Dr. Doyle. Uh, we have Vastra is the original inspiration for Sherlock Holmes. Although I did, I liked that it was Vastra because it could so easily have been like, oh, the doctor inspired Sherlock. Yeah. And so it's a nice sort of twist on it that it was Vastra. Then we get Matt Smith pretending to be Sherlock Holmes. Oh, no, but did and you not the love music. That? The music is incredible. That's fantastic. Yeah. I loved that. I loved it when he was playing Sherlock, though. And oh, he's I like, agree. Oh, he was fantastic when he's like tapping the glass bowl, <laughs> bowl. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, doing some deducing. Snow yeah. Up. yeah. No, he, that's fantastic. Holy moly! Oh, there are a lot of Sherlock Holmes references in this, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to set it right here and be in the situation that Moff is in, I mean, go nuts. Yeah. It didn't bother me. Two, no, no me. Yeah. Two gigantic intellectual properties that are hugely successful. We just need Doc to make like an appearance now in a Sherlock episode and There's... the circle is complete. So, staying on the theme of Moffat, uh-huh. there were some scenes in this that only Stephen Moffat could have written. Oh. Intricate wordplay scenes building their own universe on the back of, you know, his scripts, essentially. Where Madame Vastra, and side note, why does she need to make it so clear to Clara that she's drinking human blood at the beginning of that scene? That's not the worst thing about that scene. Because when she said there are two drinks that are this colour and one's wine, did you not immediately think, is the other one grape juice? No. No, 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 not at all. (laughs) I I thought she's a reptile drinking the blood of some other London (laughs) labourers. Or at least something non-rotillion. She doesn't want to get too squiffy. She's on the job. Let's drink some non-alcoholic grapes. There are two two liquids with this colour. One is wine. The other one is Ribena. (laughs) 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 Telepathy. I don't think Ribena had been invented yet. Oh. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) the other one is cherry cola. Cherry cola. (laughs) Cherry cola. But I understand that she needed to bring some authority to that interview, but it just seemed unusually, like, savage. It didn't just go completely unremarkable. But that's also not the most annoying thing about that scene. What is that? I I mean, wouldn't it be more practical if Clara were allowed to say more than one word at a time? Oh, I'm so so in two minds about that scene, because when it first started, I was just like, well, this is a joke. Why are they making a jump through hoops? Just talk to the woman. But then it came from the doctor. They're basically following his orders. Why would the doctor order that, though? Well, I don't know. But no it, reason. It seems like some sort of verbal Rorschach test. And it, it, gives... it, it was like, it, I think he sort of tried to set them an impossible task. He's like, oh. no, nobody's going to come up with a singular word. that like. It was the last question where they were like, it has to... Oh, I can't remember exactly what they said. But encompass like the danger that you pose and the 
um, emotional and 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 everything. Yeah, and how you need his help. Why do you need him? Why it has to be now? All these things in one word, and it is impossible. Um, and this is why I think that Clara must have some very, very, very deep-seated memories of being original Clara, because the word pond does not do any of that. It just describes where the woman is. Like it's, Which the doctor doesn't know yet. Yeah, but it's only it's meaningful for the doctor because obviously of the ponds. And so it was the one word she could have chosen that would get his attention. But she doesn't know that. And given all of these criteria that you have to meet, why would you say pond? Doesn't... Yeah, so the doctor essentially has given up on the universe actually interacting with him in any sort of quid pro quo way. So he's he he's saying, okay, in the terms of this bargain, which you're not meeting, mm. you have to do all these things for me to get me to go out and carry on being the, the great guy that I've been to this point. But I know you're not going to do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, what you say makes perfect sense. Yeah. So yeah, so when so when I understood that, then I then I enjoyed it a little bit more. Okay. It still annoyed me, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I liked it in the sense that it was a series of cryptic crosswords puzzles and i was nowhere near any of them but i was broadly satisfied with all the answers Uh, yeah that's the thing i really liked all of clara's answers it just made you appreciate how she is very quick-witted is that what you meant before that it's a very moff scene yes yeah Yeah. that could have been an interaction between let's say sherlock and watson yeah like one word one word one word and somehow you zoom out and it makes perfect sense and it's beautifully done and she does she performs it super duper well she does yeah more so, better so than Vastra, maybe? Or maybe it's just that the Vastra character is, like, by definition, very theatrical and exaggerated. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, so why is Vastra drinking human blood? Um, because blood in general, we don't know. Blood in general, because... Oh, yeah, maybe it's... But do reptiles, like reptiles blood. don't drink blood. Like, what? Like her, she hasn't evolved to survive on human blood because they never were around at the same time. So why is she drinking it now? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Maybe she does. Is this supposed to represent the demise of the last interviewer who got it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and um, why? Okay. So this is jumping back a little bit to the prequel thing. But Which the, one? The I forget. The, <laughs> the middle one um, where they explained how Vastra has come to be because oh, as yes. last time we heard they're all asleep underground and they won't wake for another millennial and you know uh, we're all safe but the tube line awoke her but only her like what we were they were so crammed in down there the last time we saw them like wouldn't it have awoken an entire army of people if i was digging a tunnel and i came across a sleeping homo reptilian <laughs> you just stop there yeah i wouldn't go oh they're more behind her i'd just get the fuck out of that tunnel okay fair point <laughs> so what or Hang that on, would be my blood on her table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How dare you disturb my sleep. <laughs> when does this take place again? 1842. 1892. No, the underground. No, I wrote it down. It opens on Walter Singing uh, as a little boy. And then we go 50 oh, years. Okay, oh, okay, okay, cool. I just looked it up. The un- London Underground, uh, oldest one, opened in 1863. Mm. Yeah. So, so potentially Vastra's been around for like 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, right, but Je- Jenny is not even 30. Jenny's new. I think in the prequel that Maria's talking about, Vastra Investigates, they mention 1888. Oh, okay. So okay. your three-year suggestion of how long the Doctor has been hanging around in the cloud could be bang on. Mm. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. What's up? 
<laughs> um, let's talk about the cloud and how oh. freaking gorgeous it was. And a staircase oh, scene that's staircase. taller on the inside, oh, by the way. Oh, that was so nice. <laughs> yes. Oh, that was gorgeous. So and just the umbrella to pull it down. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. That umbrella gives me jip, though. Oh. Because oh. if. Don't be giving him no jip, umbrella. <laughs> If Clara had just held on to that umbrella once the governess clawed her off the cloud and they were falling to earth, she could have floated to earth just like Mary Poppins oh. into Captain oh. Latimer's garden. But instead, we get Mary Droppins. Oh, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> um, I feel like Mary Poppins' umbrella is like a magic umbrella, though. I wouldn't, if I were you, Drew, I would not jump off a massive building holding only an umbrella. I would Probably still have liked, go well. <laughs> I would still have liked to see Clara holding on to the umbrella and for it to at least work for half a second for her to go, oh, maybe I'll be all right. And then oh. it inverts and you go, ah! No, that's too sad. That's too sad. <laughs> that version was cut. Yeah. <laughs> In that scene, by the way, so the ice ice lady, she also falls to the ground. Yeah. Shatters. Yeah. Doc lies and says he has one of the shards. So does he not have a shard? No, he gives... He has, like, a fake one, right? He has, like, one of the green stones in a London Underground box, doesn't he? I just yes, assume yes, because he, he's, he has, like... He has the memory worm in the Underground box. Oh, sorry, that's what it is. Sorry, yeah, yeah. It's How could you forget? <laughs> <laughs> but surely she will have shattered into a million pieces. But, but she was already made of a million pieces because she's made of snowflakes, so that's not... Yeah, that's the thing yeah, that the doctor true. tells Strax off for forgetting. Yeah. And when they were out on the roof, she sort of sublimated and floated out to them on the wind. So instead of just falling and screaming, mm. why doesn't she sublimate, get to the ground, and then Richard E. Grant has exactly what he wants? Yeah, yeah it seems as though, I mean, Richard E. Grant is unstoppable at this point. Mm, yeah, he is. Well, there, I mean, lots of snow. Lot, exactly as you say. I hadn't even taken that into consideration. I just figured, well, she's going to shatter on the ground on the snowy ground, yeah. and then... Reform. You know, exactly. Or, I mean, there'll be contact between her and his snowflakes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because wasn't that the end game, is to share her DNA with the rest of the snow yeah, and exactly. then they can mirror it? Exactly. Yeah. And if they see the ice lady falling from a great height and screaming, well, presumably, they, then all the snowmen can gather underneath her and catch it. Make a big drift, exactly. Yeah. And she can just flump into it. All Richard E. Grant, all Withnell wants is one shard. Yeah. He only needs one piece of her. Mm. There are so many uh, pieces of her somewhere in London, probably lots of them on the ground. Why is he bothering with this? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't want to complain because I like this episode. But there, it does uh, fall apart. Ooh. Well, let's not talk about how it falls apart. Let's jump back to the memory worm. Oh, yes. Because, oh my God, I love the scene with Strax and the memory worm. It's such a good scene. I mean, that is... Is that possibly... That's peak Strax. That's like the highlight for me. <laughs> okay, what was your favourite Strax line? Because I want to know if it's the same as my favourite Strax oh, line. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. Help, I seem to have been run over by a yes. carriage. Sir, emergency. I think I've been run over by a cab. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> I was loved so it. Good. Oh. <laughs> Do you want me to get the memory word? <laughs> <laughs> Everything Strax is associated with in this episode is pure gold. Pure all, I, gold. all I wrote was Strax 10 out of 10 in this episode. Like, yeah. He is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do not attempt to escape or you will be obliterated. May I take your coat? <laughs> yes. Oh, so good. 
And even when when the doctor tells him off, and I was like, oh, the doctor's been pretty harsh on the Strax, calling him a potato. And then the Strax goes, Mr. Holmes. <laughs> even his little... Ah, <laughs> oh, peak Strax indeed. The memory worm doesn't return until Time Heist, I think. Oh, is that the same memory worm? Well, yeah, or the species of memory worm. Cool. I only I I had forgotten that we ever encounter it before time heist, but I mean, yeah, the next time is I think Capaldi picking up the phone as in answering the phone oh. and then screaming as he's not holding a phone anymore. He's holding <laughs> the memory, memory worm. Four two nine one. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, some people get that. Rory I, will get that. I did not. <laughs> It also, fine. also makes it quite neat because at the end, Capaldi and Clara and, and indeed Bill are all so wrapped up in Moffat's adoration, apotheosis of the concept of memory that to have Clara come on the scene pretty much for the first time here and instantly have the Doctor trying to erase her memory mm. when eventually his entire memories of her will get obliterated and then undone. Yeah. It's a nice theme to introduce. Yeah, I agree. Oh, Marie, you know Clara's theme, Inside Out. What's, I don't know. What, no, her musical theme. What is her musical theme? Na, 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 na. Oh, yeah, oh, that one. Okay. Did it appear in this episode? Because oh, I thought it did. Oh, yes, know. it did. did Aha, it? Leon says so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. As okay. soon as she appeared. The Clara theme is pretty, but overused, oh. is my note. Because, uh-huh. wow, it, I, I thought it would appear all the time. But I think there might be two different... Clara themes. Mm. Maybe we've had this conversation on Who Back When already. This is this is the one that like the the very happy clingy bing ding ding ding. Oh, I can't do it. That's yeah. what Drew, yeah. Drew just did. Yeah. I, I I thought I could do a perfect xylophone or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> Needs more work. <laughs> but they do it all. That's of the not time. the one that that appeared when she was climbing up the staircase, is it? Also, I think. Maybe. I think it. I think it appears at least twenty times in that, this episode. Because oh, <laughs> I liked. I remember liking the music when she was walking up the staircase, and it was very plinky plunky. Oh, oh, yeah. When she's walking up the staircase, and she appears on the cr- cloud, and the TARDIS is at the mm. back of the cloud, and you're looking up at it. I thought that was a lovely introduction to it, and that it was, was so making nice. it as mythical as it should the be. Should always be on a cloud. Yeah. Why does he ever park it? Like, it's so <laughs> gorgeous. <laughs> I, I literally, as she was climbing up and there was like all the stars behind her and the clouds and the staircase, and I just like, I just want to frame this and put it on my wall. Like it's like, it's a piece of art. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, really I agree. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Whoever designed that. Yeah. Bravo. I applaud you. <laughs> we, we have quite recently talked about, oh yeah. In fact, sorry. In the last episode, we uh, talked about how that was the last iteration of that TARDIS interior. Now oh, we get a new TARDIS new. interior. Yeah. Mm. And is this the Capaldi interior minus the bookcases? I think so. I think so too. Yeah. Which I think is what we were saying. The lo- Well, maybe... You thought it was full-on Capaldi, and I was like, eh, yeah, no you're bookcases, right. I think. But it has the it has the uh, interlocking signs of the Zodiac at the top or whatever exactly. it is up there. And it has like the central platform with staircases leading upwards. Mm. There's It has that sort of atrium feel. Mm. It's very stark though, isn't it? Yeah, but then he, I mean, he spruces it up with some bookcases and stuff. He's been sulking on a cloud, but so but he's yeah, not he, even... In, in, he doesn't want to engage with anything, so he's just stripped everything back and it's just very basic. Exactly, yeah. yeah. What does she ask for? Is, it, is there a kitchen in here? Yeah, to make a bloody souffle. Oh. 
Yeah, because she's never... obsessed with souffles. And when were souffles invented? I bet they're not even around in Victorian London. Oh, I bet they are. Oh. Souffles must be French. The French have been perfecting that art for hundreds of years. But as a governess, she would presumably teach the children how to make souffles. In the pub, she may be serving souffles from the kitchen. I mean, why does she need to bring it to the TARDIS as well, apart from to get that? hint dropped she it originated in the early 18th century france by the way sorry to have interrupted you mm. there you go okay sure <laughs> marie antoinette could well have said let them eat souffles yeah. yes <laughs> she <probably did. laughs> do you feel that he is maybe a little bit too quick to welcome her into the tardis Ooh. way too quick to give her a key the surely. key was the thing yeah because that- she passed his test so what, dude? It was a pretty hard test. <laughs> I mean, no, it wasn't. It was like say this what say one word every now and then. No, no, and no. And but then on the roof, she had to stick an umbrella into yeah. the air and pull down the ladder, and I did not see that coming. Logic and deduction. Sure, but how long did it take for him to give Rose or the Ponds yeah, their own key? Neither of them passed the test. They just bumbled along behind him, saying, "What now, Doctor?" He was told to my lord's in love with Rose. Only at the end. Sure, but that mm. certainly imp- that must imply that there was chemistry for and a while, right? Did you did we see him giving Rose a key? Was that a thing? Well, I think maybe not. Yeah. And in this case, he just straight up gives her a key. I mean, if this were them dating, <laughs> or even like occasionally meeting up, we've had it, this one. Th- there will be a long time before either one of them goes like, you know what? Why don't we just keep an extra toothbrush yeah, in here for yeah. you? <laughs> like, let alone go. Here's the key to my house. Yeah. Yep, we're moving in together right now. Yeah, I did. I th- she should be running from the, there. <laughs> the, first, the first time it happened, I was a bit like, "Oh, yeah, okay, this is this is a big step." But kind of like it was more um, like his engaging again with being the doctor, and therefore I need a companion, and therefore I, like this woman has passed the test, and him wanting to move forward. So I almost feel like it was less about her than it was about him. Yeah, he's put on a bow tie subconsciously. <gasps> Oh God. Okay, yeah. we'll come back to that. <laughs> so so th- this is waiting to burst out of him onto yeah. the first applicant candidate, essentially. Yeah. And she and she has proven herself. She's passed the test. It's not she just has. the first woman that he sees. But yeah, the second time he does it, when she, she is dying, so I give him that. But he's like putting the key in her like cold dead hands and like you can come with me. That that felt a little desperate. Yeah, I, was like, oh, buddy. Yeah, I was like, give it up. Yeah. <laughs> Also, She's the, not coming. <laughs> the callback he says at that point when she says, I'm dying, and he says, no, you're not. And she's like, how do you know? And he says, I don't know how. I just know who. First of all, he's proven wrong yeah, well, because yeah. she dies. She does die, yeah. And secondly, it doesn't make any sense. No, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was an awful line. I think I liked, the, I liked it the first time. I hated the callback, yeah. Mm. <sighs> but yeah, she's passed any number of tests. She's yeah. managed to stalk him all over London, yeah. which he didn't think was possible. When the, the verbal sparring over the memory is another piece of yeah. the puzzle. It's not just she hooks up the ladder, although she has to find that stair case yeah. i mean actually he doesn't know that she's been all around the target how does she know that the staircase is retractable like she just holds on to the staircase and taps it and then it retracts with her holding on to it she doesn't know that she's just she, just she's do awesome. it with confidence i know okay you know what I'm, I'm just i'm picking at yeah. I, it, don't it, pick it no, it's did, did she not see him do it but no i don't no, think not so the retract- no she sees him climb yeah. up and then yeah but yeah. okay so i think the reason i'm feeling this is that normally 
we get I mean, okay so I, I get that this is several years of solitude mm. for the doctor but for us it's a very stark contrast between yeah. like saying farewell and crying over the the deaths of two companions yeah. to boom new companion yeah and that might be a little bit too abrupt whereas with Tennant, for example he says farewell to rose then swears off companions and then we have a handful of shitty episodes without yeah, companions exactly have we not maybe like the writers have learned from that and said nobody wants him to sulk for another six episodes we want him to move on and be happy and to be the doctor that we know and love because the, the, the first thing when he came on and he was like oh pouty doctor i was just so uh, like it's not it's not him no i i agree i didn't like that i agree um, um but the other thing i was gonna say is maybe because he when he puts together that clara is oswin um he does say oh i thought that voice was familiar and so i think when he gives her the key he doesn't know obviously that she's the same person but maybe there's a little part of him that recognizes the voice and kind of instinctively trusts that voice and so she, he's more open with her than he would be with any any other companion. Uh, I like mm. it. Good theory. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Oh, also, I wanted to request a soundbite, if possible, oh. uh-huh. which is connected to the bow tie scene, which we just mentioned, when there's frost appearing down the windows and Clara says, it's cooler. And he's like, <laughs> oh, yes, it is rather, isn't it? Or oh, whatever it is. That's what I want to go back to. Oh, my God. It's like, I think that's my favourite scene. <laughs> really? Isn't it? It's so good. It's cooler. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It is very cool. Bow ties are cool. No, the room. The room's getting colder. It, but it's so well done because it's it not, really is. it doesn't feel forced at all. If he'd have come up and gone, yeah, bow ties are cool, it would have been like, oh, some naff. But the way that they wrote it and she's just not paying the slightest bit of attention to him and he's all in the mirror, like, it's lovely. Yeah. Mm. And then there's a very funny bit after it, which, or at least which I found funny, which is the governess is reforming. She's rearing up under the carpet. There are snowmen in the garden growing out of nowhere. I'm a lizard woman from the dawn of time, and this is my wife. And all Captain Latimer reacts to is, oh, you have a gentleman friend. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) In the middle of all the chaos and tumult. It's like, oh, I don't get to fuck the governess after all. Is that is that just after they're they're trying to make an excuse where they come from? It's like yeah, we've been upstairs smoking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love that as well. <laughs> I thought there was a missed trick, which was when they talked about the snow is planning to build an army of ice, and that will be the last day of humanity. This is the point at which Moffat should start showing us a terrifying montage of images of taps and clouds <laughs> and paddling pools oh. <laughs> and all these things if he were to follow the weeping angels mm. trope yeah but precedent. i hated when they did it in the weeping angels so i'm kind of ah. glad that they didn't so he's learned and he's getting better exactly well done, taking Moff. on feedback does anyone have any final notes mm. only that it's raining tears it's gross. Of course. Yes, the oh. actual resolution. Let's talk about that. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. There's a line that says that only force enough to drown the snow, a whole family crying on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. So no other family in the whole world is crying tonight. No. No. <laughs> Everybody's happy. Everyone yeah. but this one Nobody family in London, in Victorian <laughs> <laughs> London. 
<laughs> not even a big family. Yeah, no, there's like three of them. That, Famous that for its lack of poverty and sadness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're in London. Yeah. No one's mourning those dead laborers from the beginning of the episode. Oh, no. Everyone's Long really super duper happy. <laughs> Oh, you know what it is, though? Captain Latimer has repressed his emotions this in his entire life. Mm. And so he is just bawling. He is ugly crying <laughs> over Clara, his bell-to-be. But, but the problem is he's not. Like, they say that line, and then it cuts to the family. And, and I'm, like, desperately looking around trying to find someone crying, and it's only the children. And they're just yeah. doing a little oh, bit of sobbing. And they show Clara's tears, and don't they, instead of their tears. Tear. Yeah. Because yeah. they don't have any tears. Yeah. My anti-penultimate yeah. note, stop fake crying, children. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fucking kids. <laughs> Seriously, keep them away from cameras. Oh, and Mike's. It's so terrible. But if Captain Latimer's not crying, why are you singling out the children? This is your deep-seated hatred, no, rather I, than being no, fair I, to the no, actors in this I scene. have no hatred of children in general, was, but I think child actors, in, like on average, are just terrible. It was and, a background noise. Yeah, like, exactly. There was stuff going on, and they were in the background going, <laughs> 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 and it was so worse. Yeah. <laughs> Right, shall we rate this? Let's. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Well, if I'm first up, I'm going to bring in my final note, which was the doctor when he marches outside to face Simeon and the snowman and he brandishes the London Underground and says, I have in my hand a thing of the London Underground. Neville Chamberlain, anyone? I have in my hand a piece of paper signed by Mr. Hitler, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, that was a reference that we didn't get to. Let's get to the rating. This is a really good episode. There's an avalanche of really enjoyable scenes. But towards the end, they do rather hit you like a blizzard. You're just scraping the last flurry out of your eye as you're hit by another volley. Richard E. Grant is imperiously chilly, even before he's turned into a snow zombie. I get that he doesn't get to show off his range, but his scowl and his sulking... Uh, just so forbidding. I mean, that is a just really powerful performance there. I feel like the resolution loses some points because it happens to the Doctor rather than him playing a part in it. It's precipitated by badly faked emotions somewhere across town. As Leon says, miles further away than the slum areas where all these labourers are being mourned. But I like Clara for the most part, more this time around. The supporting children only embarrassed themselves at the last moment, so they nearly got away with it. Strax was pure gold. I liked the Moffaty scenes this time around, where sometimes I don't. So I'm giving it a Because It's Still Christmassy 4.3. Alright. Marie, do you want to go next? Do you want to go last? Follow that if you can. I don't don't want to follow that. (laughs) You can follow that. Okay, fine. (laughs) Richard E. Grant is fantastic. However... Hugely underused. Ian McKellen, his voice alone lends so much gravitas to this being, but greatly underused. The great intelligence is greatly underused in this one, and I can't remember if if the great intelligence will return very soon. I know that the great intelligence will return, but I don't know if it'll return like at length. But if it doesn't, that is doing it a disservice because it is a fantastic and legendary foe. So in that regard, this was this was more about killer snowmen that I don't quite understand and an ice lady that I don't quite understand <laughs> than it was about the great intelligence. That being said, I love this episode. The The Doctor is on top form. At, in the beginning, not quite very, not quite himself, but just really ends up Matt Smithing it to the hilt. Clara and he have amazing chemistry. The Paternoster gang... 
by which I mean mainly Strax, hilarious <laughs> addition to this. But but in general, I like the Paternoster Gang, uh, and it's a very it's a Christmassy episode. It this is a good Christmas episode. We've talked about the Christmas specials on so many occasions where we say like, oh, they're allowed, they're, they're given a little leeway to be silly and not quite, you know, your regular run-of-the-mill Doctor Who episode. But this didn't have to be a Christmas episode. This was, this didn't try, this wasn't silly. This was a seriously well-written, good and beautiful episode. And for that reason, I'm going to give this a 4.1. <laughs> I don't know how that measures up to other Christmas episodes, how I've rated them, but yeah, 4.1. I wanted Yetis. I really Mm. wanted Yetis. Go on then, Marie, follow those. I will, okay. Oh, I'm so torn with this episode. It's Um, 1.8, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) 4.8. Okay, so we went to watch it last night and we put it on really, really super late. You and Jim. Me and Jim, sorry. Hi, Jim. Oh my God, it's not past midnight, is it? It is. It's like 1am. <gasps> Happy birthday, Jim! <gasps> Happy birthday, Happy Jim! Birthday, Jim. <laughs> Jim's birthday today. Um, 9th of May, if you want to send a card <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> Next year, we'll arrive, expect them in the post. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we put it on really late, and when we pressed play and realised it was an hour long, I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is a long episode. Maybe we don't watch it all tonight. Maybe we can finish it off in the morning with breakfast. Um, and then suddenly it finished, and I was wide awake, and it... Like it didn't drag at all. The pacing was fantastic. It really like held your attention. Um, the acting is phenomenal. Everybody's fantastic in it. Uh, like I just I squee a little bit every time Clara comes on screen. Like I say, <laughs> you let out a little bit of squee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Strax is amazing. He had so many good lines. It was a really really funny, wit- like witty, sharp, quick, just phenomenal episode. Yeah, there are so many. Really nice moments that I loved that we've already talked about a lot of them. Strax and the memory worm was good. The bow tie scene. Like they're just, it's, it was a really like comedic episode. However, um, the, the storyline with the great intelligence, it does, it feels like that, that was the like building blocks that the everything else should sit upon. So we have great acting and that's a bonus, but the story needs to be good in itself. And, it just didn't get it. Like there were so many holes and and things that didn't make sense. And <sighs> so, yeah, so I just, I'm kind of, my heart wants to give it a really high episode because I enjoyed it so much, but I think I'm going to go lower than both of you. I think I'm going to go for like a 3.8. 3.8? Yeah. So it's still, it's still really good. It's still a really high score, but just, yeah, I feel like the, the basic groundwork of the structure of the villain needed a little bit more thinking through yep. to get it into the fours. Very fair argument. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I loved it. I think that's fair. Okay. <laughs> Shall we listen to some listener minis? Ooh, let's. Listener minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. So we have had so many reviews for this one. <laughs> you're my hero (laughs) we've had four who is the first one from trenton blairs hello trenton hi trenton hi trenton (laughs) trenton starts finally a classic 60s villain is done justice in the new series and perhaps the best companion introduction ever wait she died wasn't clara supposed to go with the doctor 
flips through scripts. Let's see. Moby Doctor, Great Intelligence, Paternoster Gang, Impossible Girl. Well, here we go again. It is the grand return of the Great Intelligence, minus the Yeti, unfortunately. Richard E. Grant as Professor Simeon was just amazing. The snowmen themselves were kind of creepy. Good Yeti stand-ins. Even the ice lady was freaky. Until she started saying, that's the way to do it. (laughs) I suppose Americans have little concept of Mr. Punch. (laughs) To be fair, I didn't really enjoy that bit either. No, they only included Mr. Punch because his chin is the exact same as Matt Smith's. Oh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) I haven't thought about that. Okay, Clara here is very likeable and an interesting character, which is probably why the Doctor got interested in her too. I don't get why she couldn't be the Clara that went off with the Doctor instead of Clara Prime. I like the angle they gave the Doctor here. Forced retirement and him just being pulled back into the fray was brilliant. We usually never get to see the Doctor like this where he's this mournful. He just isolates himself. Haven't seen that since Tennant, I think. And Trenton continues, I almost forgot about the new title sequence. Oh, yeah. They sucked. They're terrible. They were the worst. <laughs> it looks like something a teenager with After Effects would put together in an hour. I also forgot to talk about the new console room. No, you didn't. You're doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on. <laughs> it's almost a return to form. Very classic and good looking. Much better than Matt Smith's first. I, I sort of vaguely skipped ahead and I thought he was going to say it was better, more good looking than Matt Smith. <laughs> like, what? Oh. <laughs> Trenton concludes overall I liked this special glad we got the build to the 50th started on the right foot wait what do you mean it's downhill from here do things no. at least get better by the time we hit November the 23rd 2013 they do okay then 3.0 out of 5 3.0 mm. oh excellent mini thank uh, you Trenton thank you very much uh, dearest podcast thank you ever so ever so much <laughs> <laughs> uh, podcast land uh, what are you waiting for please follow trenton on twitter he can be found at trenton bless that's blessed with two what's yes next up we have star wars star wars star wars it's 1am my neighbors may have been knocking <laughs> on the wall we're not entirely sure desperate to join the show <laughs> <laughs> hello star wars sill hi star wars sill <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars Sill begins. Firstly, Star Wars Celebration was fantastic, and one of the panels included Cavan Scott of Doctor Who Audiobooks and Comics, who is writing a Star Wars audio drama about Count Dooku. I am massively excited for that. Well, I'm glad that you had a good time. Star Wars still continues. Secondly, there is much to like in The Snowmen. Ian McKellen's voice, the full Clara theme melody. Mm. See? (laughs) Clara in 1800s finery, being a badass governess. And, best of all, Vastra. I love her so much. (laughs) Star Wars still really enjoyed the humour in this episode. Do you have a goldfish named Colin? Thought not. (laughs) That was good. That was a great line. Also, much of what Strax said had me laughing aloud. I think my favourite line was, Madame Vestra wondered if you were needing any grenades. She might have said help. (laughs) That was a great line. (laughs) The question of exactly how Strax is alive bothered me enough that I fled to the TARDIS wiki where I discovered the mini-sode Demon's Run two days later, which was also enjoyable, and shows how he wakes up and goes to live with Vastra and Jenny. Oh, yeah. Mm. We should should travel back in time and do a bonus episode about that. Yeah, maybe we will. (laughs) (laughs) Star Wars still continues. There were some things that made the threat feel a bit less real for me. Snowflakes with teeth? 
Why did the snowflakes never bite anybody? And the scepter of snow blowing during the house siege. But, you know, everyone needs a popcorn popper of doom every once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was not explained at all. Star Wars still concludes 4.2 out of 5 grenades because, let's be real, Strax has at least that many on his person at all times. You know, I even loved the memory worm. Of course you did. It's brilliant. Who doesn't? (laughs) And Leon, I think you you and I can agree that that's a pretty good rating. That's a fantastic rating. (laughs) (laughs) It's brilliant. It's a little higher, I think, but you know, whatever. Are you following Star Wars still on Twitter? No. What are you waiting for? Run post haste to your nearest Twitter sphere and find her at Star Wars Sill. Thanks, Star Wars Sill. Thank, Thank you very much. Next up, we have Michael Ridgeway. Ridgeway. Hello, Michael. Hi, Michael. Love you, Michael. She <laughs> <laughs> is so creepy. <laughs> I'm not nearly as creepy as Uncle Monty. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no one's as creepy as Uncle Monty. <laughs> Things I liked begins Michael. Strax as one-liners. Love an opening massacre. Echoes the graveyard massacre of Victorian gents by Cybermen in The Next Doctor, presumably taking place earlier that day on the other side of town. There's another Christmas special set in the past. Thank hey. you, Michael. That's true. <laughs> and Michael's done with things he liked, and oh. now he's onto the beefs. His first beef is Wasted Snowmen. Besides the pre-credits chomp fest, they did Jack Frost all. Get it? I wanted them to eat people's faces and stab people with icicles and be fought with burning torches and anti-freed super soakers. Sorely disappointed. Next beef. Clara. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Are you sure? <laughs> Don't read this one. <laughs> Does she have multiple personality disorder? If so, great. All for diversity in Doctor Who. If not... What's with the East End barmaid slash posh governess split? Did that add anything? I'm gutted. This Clara died. A companion from a historic time period would have been bald. And this Clara's death sucked. Why did the doctor let Ice Lady climb the TARDIS stairs and then forget about her? Also a fall from that height and Clara would have been splattered. Final chats are tricky with your ribcage skewering your lungs. Uh, well, I mean, there could have been a snowdrift for Clara, but he is right. The doctor, instead of doing a clever, had to do a stupid for this yeah. to happen. Yeah, that's true. Oh. And he's also right. It would have been really cool to have a Clara from Victorian London rather than modern day Clara. But Michael's next. Um <laughs> Where the fuck is my Yeti? That's what I want to know, Michael. (laughs) Is this some kind of sick joke? Who cares about the great intelligence without the Yeti? No one. That's who. It feels weird. Like Laurel without Hardy, Bert without Ernie, classic who without the... Seventh Doctor. Hitler without racism, Brexit without racism. (laughs) (laughs) A missed opportunity to reintroduce a classic C-list baddie. Some Yeti better rock up in the next Great Intelligence episode or I'll be super pissed. I've got some sherry that can help you with that. (laughs) How could the Doctor forget the Great Intelligence? Does he have Alzheimer's? If so, great. All for raising awareness about this illness. <laughs> if not, why is he forgotten? He fought the intelligence twice and the Yeti thrice. <gasps> He's remembered crappier villains he fought fewer times, looking at you, Macra. <laughs> I mean, although forgetting building-sized crabs is fairly difficult. 
Next. Bluff. Tears of sadness saving the day past the sick bucket. Yeah, true. <laughs> so gross. Yeah. Oh, it's still full from the last offering of Christmas cheese. <laughs> <laughs> In summary, Snowman had all the ingredients to hammer Dr. Lion Widow Wardrobe, but alas, was only moderately better. Moffat, you yeti snatter, you. <laughs> and Michael rates this 1.5 out of 5 awesome robotic killer yetis that this episode didn't have. <laughs> that is an incredible mini. <laughs> Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you so, 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 Michael, so, so. Michael had opinions about this episode. <laughs> yes, he did. And Brexit. Uh, yes. <laughs> Please do yourselves a favour and follow Michael on Twitter. He can be found at bad underscore movie underscore club. Thank you, Michael. Love you, Michael. Love you, Michael. That was Leon. <laughs> Not that creepy. Leon's creepy now. <laughs> Next, uh, last up, in fact, we have... Tracy from America. Hello, Tracy. Hi, Tracy. Tracy sent this in while we were recording just an hour ago and starts off. Hey, guys, real quick thoughts. Everything out of Strax's mouth, gold. I really feel like this scored musically in a way that highlights everything about the Doctor's emotions and thoughts and nothing about Clara's. Mm. Mm, Interesting. I'm not sure if it's the first time this is happening or my first time noticing. And Tracy skips to the raising real quick. Clara, no! If you look at the grave with your name on it, the angels will get you. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I did also think the way that the... I didn't um, make that parallel. The Snow Queen grabbed her from behind is also quite similar f- to the way that the angels, angels. was grabbed. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So oh, good they awesome filmed time. it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Tracy. Mm. Are you following Tracy? Well, you should. She is at Yekartnyatnuf. That's That's Fountain Tracy. Backwards, almost. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Rooney and... uh, Cheesecakes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He took the words right out of his mouth. What have we got next? First off, we have a... Probably a bonus blooper reel. Woohoo! Tis the season after all. <laughs> then we're going to jump into some classic Who with... Um, the Pyramids of Mars. Oh, cannot wait. Which, if I remember correctly, is this one that my dad said he really liked? Yes, that's the, his favourite one. Mm, I'm going to write in for you. Yes, please do. Yeah. Oh, very cool. <laughs> <laughs> and next up in the new channel, we have N095, The Bells of St. John. Ooh. That's right. That's when we can, we can start the... 10 countdown yeah t minus 10 episodes or serials or stories whatever but this is gonna be amazing i mean one thing that we didn't say this episode concludes with a coming soon to doctor who i i feel like we're in for a treat Mm. going forward it looked really cool it does look fun right well in the meantime anyway you can find us online in one way or another marie are you on twitter no not currently okay then (laughs) But you can send an email to whobag1 at gmail.com and we will pass it along. Drew, you are on Twitter, though. I am. You can get on down to my Tweety Barn dance. I'm at Drew Back When. <laughs> Excellent branding. And I am at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. Say hello. I'll say hi back. Okay. Until the next time, rock on and cha-chao. Bye-bye. Bye. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of Who Back When. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! 
Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao. Who back when? Who back when?